Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Have you ever wondered how inbred the Habsburgs really were? What women in the past used for birth control? Or what Queen Victoria's nine children got up to? On the History Tea Time podcast, I profile remarkable queens and LGBTQ plus royals, explore royal family trees, and delve into women's medical history and other fascinating topics. Join me every Tuesday for History Tea Time, wherever fine podcasts are enjoyed. The Box of Oddities is now a CastBox original. CastBox is the fastest growing, highest rated podcast app on both iOS and Android, where you can find all your favorite podcasts. You can listen to The Box of Oddities wherever you access your podcasts. But we hope you give CastBox a try. The curator is greatly pleased with CastBox. We think it's the best. What follows may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The world is full of stories. Stories of mysteries. Of curiosities. Of oddities. Join Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. So our last episode, we uh, we were recording it uh, early in the day, and uh, there was a seaplane that was circling our house <laughs> most of the podcast. So if you... If you wondered what that noise was in the background, that's that's what it was. We did well, our best. Part of it was also the dryer. We forgot to turn the dryer off. Uh, yeah, but but I did remember this time. I turned oh, the dryer off. Good job. Thank you. Yeah, and and but, there's, there's no seaplane either. That's good. We do have to remember to turn the dryer back on, though, uh, yeah. because there's laundry in there, and we don't want it to get like half dry and do that thing that makes you so mad. What are you talking about? What The... What? Uh, the dryer smell, you know, the, oh, the laundry smell that, that makes you angry. Oh, yeah. If if a if a load of laundry doesn't get thoroughly dried and then it it, it is dried, it has that musty, dirty laundry, Old laundry sm- smell. Yeah. It For some reason, that smell makes me angry. Yeah. It's not even like, ooh, that smells bad. And then you move on with your life. No. It's, it makes you bizarrely, like, physiologically react and you get jacked up real I, quick i have laundry rage <laughs> <laughs> we, all, we all have our things <laughs> no you know, i get it though i think it's an evolutionary trait that's been inherited from our uh, most distant ancestors oh really w- because if they didn't let them dry after they um <clears throat> after they rinsed out their pelts would develop that smell and it would tip off predators where they were so i think you know it's an evolutionary thing that's why it makes me angry oh i see yeah yeah. Yeah. Laundry rage is evolutionary. Well, that sounds like bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we all have our quirks. Oh, I, I enjoy this one. I noticed that we, you and I took a ride down the coast of Maine yesterday. It was a beautiful, beautiful afternoon for a drive. So nice. 
And I know... <laughs> I've noticed this before, but but you oh. did this several times because oh, no. you were driving. Every time you pass a car, you sing the theme to I Dream of Jeannie. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> <laughs> you, it's not even a thing. It's, it's a thing. You get out into the pass lane and you get, start going by him and you go, dun, 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 dun. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> Oh, I might. I might do that. Yeah. Anyway, okay. it's your turn to go first this week on, oh. on the Box of Oddities. Excellent. Okay, good. I'm glad. I couldn't remember who went first this time, and I'm really glad that I go first because um, this is rough. Is this dark? It is beyond dark. Okay, all right. It well, is upsetting. I'm usually the one that brings this stuff to the table, so this is refreshing. Okay, good. <laughs> I don't know i feel like you know we we both bring the horror this i i actually feel like this might be something that some won't be able to listen to and really? i get that okay i do but here we go <laughs> enjoy <laughs> i can't wait okay so um i want to start this way by asking you what would you do to live with a little more pep in your step have a little more vitality, uh, live healthier, have more uh, sexual uh, stamina. Uh-huh. Have you know? Okay. What uh, would you do? What would I? What would I be willing to do? What's yeah. the most extreme thing? Yeah. In order to become a love god? Sure. I would do anything. Would you eat a baby? No. Okay. No, I'm a, I'm a vegetarian. Yep. Um, and even when I wasn't, babies. We're not on my list. So, um, of preferred dining options. Warning, as I mentioned, this gets pretty dark. Oh my God. Dried human flesh appears to be the main ingredient in a pill that has been found on the black market. Oh my God. In 2012, South Korean Customs Service said that it had uncovered 35 attempts to import a total of over 17 thousand capsules in less than a year my glasses are so gross okay the pills which were filled with the dried and powdered flesh of fetuses and or dead infants were intercepted in the mail or in custom searches at airports my god South Korea had initiated a crackdown on the smuggling of capsules from China containing the powdered flesh of dead babies, uh, taken as a cure by some for diseases or a way to boost sexual performance or vitality. Chinese authorities, though, denied allegations, of course, that the pills were manufactured in China, and a Ministry of Health spokesman stated that an investigation conducted in 2012 showed no proof that the pills containing human flesh were manufactured in China. I wonder if there's a tariff on them, those Chinese dick pills. Are they dick pills? Is that what those things are? I mean, are they being marketed as dick pills? To some. I mean, some people use it just for vitality. Okay. Some people use it to cure diseases. All right. Traditionally, ancient Chinese uh, considered the ingestion of firstborns aborted fetuses and placentas as part of mother's flesh. So some mothers believed that they could like reabsorb the vitality of a baby to create a new healthier baby. Okay, so that's a cultural thing. Of course, it's not China-wide. No. They're just some people that believe this. And and the idea is that you can absorb that 
energy, that life force mm-hmm. from that, that baby. Okay. Even though it's dead, so I don't understand how that makes any sense. <laughs> um, it seems a, a tad counterintuitive. Right. I mean, in 2011, the South Korean television station SBS aired a documentary that accused Chinese drug companies of collaborating with abortion clinics to produce the pills from dead fetuses. The documentary claimed that DNA tests verified that the pills were made from powdered humans. In 2007, Hong Kong-based Next Magazine reported that infant fetuses had become a popular health and beauty supplement in China. And in uh, Guangdong, the demand for fetuses' body parts was so high that buyers actually were purchasing them directly from hospitals. Oh, my God. That sounds a lot like the uh, Victorian period of anatomical study where they didn't have enough cadavers. Mm. You know, they were they were dissecting prisoners that had been executed, sure. but there was not a big enough supply. So those two guys, Burke and Hare, would go and steal bodies out of the uh, cemetery or the morgue or wherever they could find them and, and then sell them. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like that, except... That was for learning, and this is for eating. Well, I always learn better on a full stomach. No? Okay. I mean, not baby, but... (laughs) I'm sorry, where was I? Oh, yes. So, how is this done? The... Daily Mail actually revealed further details about the practice. The grim trade, according to Daily Mail, is being run from China where corrupt medical staff are said to be tipping off medical companies. Uh, And I say medical companies, like Mm. with quotes, because Mm. Um, when babies are aborted or delivered stillborn. The tiny corpses are then bought, stored in household refrigerators in homes of those involved in the trade before they are removed and taken to clinics, quote-unquote, when they are placed in medical drying microwaves. Wait, wait, they they store them in, like, household refrigerators? Yeah, until they're ready to go into the medical drying microwaves. Right next to the haagen and the Mrs. Paul's lightly breaded fish sticks? Once the skin is tinder dry, it is pummeled into powder and then produced into capsules along with herbs to disguise the true ingredients from health investigators and custom officers. Gross. So gross. That's heavy duty. This is not cool. Um, But in addition to that, what are the dangers? And there are many. Um, The practice, because it's not monitored in the ways that you need to monitor things that you're ingesting um they don't know how these bodies are cleaned before they're or if they're cleaned exactly concern about like MRSA uh superbugs um there's concerns about hepatitis there are concerns about any number of things that uh that the fetus can pick up during the the shoot the shootout of the Right. You know, the... The birthing. Yep. Yeah. Um, because there's a lot of stuff involved in that. And there are a lot of things that they're exposed to. Um, not to mention, you know, it's people. Yeah. So yeah. that's that's not good. I mean, we've if we learned nothing from MedCal... And Soylent Green. Mm. So lots of dangers involved in addition. And it, the good news, though, 
is that according to International Business Times out of the UK, uh, this practice seems to be decreasing. So South Korean authorities did seize um, more of these types of pills between 2015 and 2017, but that number is only at about 8,500, which Mm. in 2012, they had confiscated more than twice that many in just less than one year. So... That's good news. It's not great news, but it is good news. I I guess I really didn't think uh, very much about how I was going to like wrap this up. Um, I wish that I had thought of it more now uh, because now all I feel like I should say is like, hey, don't eat babies. Yeah, that's the end. And now that thing in the middle. One thing that makes me even more angry than uh, sour smelling laundry is looking on, say, you know, Craigslist or Facebook Marketplace and seeing somebody trying to sell a piece of shit 20 year old 32 inch big old television set for $250. Well, it was brand new when I bought it. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. It was brand new when I bought it. Mm -hmm. So that thing in the middle, ridiculous crap people are trying to sell on Craigslist. Number five. A used casket. It's only 255 bucks. It was only in the ground for nine months. Uh, fabric and pillow inside have been washed, although I'd let it air out a bit. Reuse it for a loved one or a Halloween prop. Price is firm. Number four. 14 grape-flavored freeze pops. I don't like grape flavor, so they're just sitting in my freezer taking up space. Call or text anytime. To say what they want for it? OBO. Number three, 400 gallons regular gasoline. Willing to trade. This is in Austin for you Austin listeners. I am blessed to have over 400 gallons of gasoline. I don't want money. I am looking to exchange up to 15 gallons for anal sex. Me giving it to you. Both men and women are welcome to apply, but men need to be very attractive. Price of gas these days. It's ass gas. Or grass? What? Ass gas or grass. Nobody rides for free. (laughs) Have you never seen that bumper sticker? (laughs) Not for about 20 years. (laughs) Number two. 15 out of a 16 count bag of large maximum protection depends. (laughs) Brenda did not list a price for these. No, Brenda. And number one. A used Morena IUD from Oklahoma City. Spent all my money on Christmas, so I need the money. I've only used it for a few months, and I have already properly sanitized it. It's easy to put in. I'll send you a few YouTube tutorials on how to do it yourself if you need me to. It should be good for five years. Price firm. God bless. And there's a picture attached. Stop it. That's what it says. That's not real. That's real. 75 bucks. Oh, God. What is happening? (laughs) I'm starting to really wonder, is it like prescription drugs in the water, or is it what is happening (laughs) to us as a people? It's those Chinese dick pills. The Box of Oddities with Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth. You know, with two episodes of The Box of Oddities every week, uh, and the amount of research that 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 has proven to take, uh, thank God for Audible and the audio books that they make available. So I'm able to drive around, listen to uh, a book that I'm using to research for a topic on the Box of Oddities and still get some errands done. Yeah. Basically, I like to think of it as like, so I'm a cheerleader and what do we want? Books. How do we want them? So we don't actually have to read them. (laughs) 
Yeah, it's <laughs> got a lot it, going on. Life is busy, and it seems to be speeding up every single month. It gets faster and faster. I don't know if it's just because I'm getting older. Yes, but it's, it's harder. A perspective thing. Your years are many. Your days left are few. Oh, thank you. That's really depressing. But even more reason to check out Audible. Get your favorite book. For example, a, a couple of episodes ago, we we talked about The Alchemist. Mm. Paulo Coelho. It's a beautiful book to listen to. It's so poetic. And what an amazing message that that particular book has. Audible helps you listen to more books like The Alchemist by letting you switch seamlessly between devices. Let's say, because I, you know, I have it on my on my phone, I have it on my tablet. And so wherever you leave off, it'll sync up on your other devices. And Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. You can go to audible.com slash box and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a title for free and start listening a hora. Or you can text box to 500 500 and get started that way. Audible members get a credit every month good for any audiobook in the store, regardless of price, and unused credits roll over. I'm just learning this too that Audible also has audio shows and news and comedy and more, all from the leading audiobook publishers, broadcasters, entertainers, magazine, and newspaper publishers. It's a pretty big deal. Again, Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30 day trial membership. Just go to Audible.com slash box. Browse the unbelievable selection of audio programs. Listen to The Alchemist or something else. Doesn't matter. There's so much. Or text box to 500-500 to get started. It's the closest thing to learning by osmosis you're ever going to get to. You know what it reminds me of? Go. Listening to old-time radio dramas. Like back in grandpa's day. But you can do it on all your devices, which they didn't have back then. And you can pretend like you read. (laughs) Audible.com slash box or text box to 500-500 and get started today. Audible, we approve. Thumbs up. This is a test of the Box of Oddities emergency broadcast system. This is only a test. Had this been an actual box of oddities, I'd be talking a lot faster. Last episode, we talked about some of the uh, comments and emails we got from people who were speculating as to what we looked like because we have not posted any pictures of ourselves, although they are coming. As we mentioned before, we have a photo shoot in an old abandoned mill sometime in the next uh, few weeks. We're actually probably not going to shoot there. We're not going to do the mill? Well, how come? I already told you that twice, but you yeah, know. Well, you said maybe not. I, I'm I'm so disappointed. <laughs> Isn't it the mill where uh, Graveyard Shift was filmed? No. Could we pretend that it is? Sure, but okay. we're still not taking pictures there, oh, so it doesn't damn it. matter. Well, there's a lot of spooky places in Maine. We'll find a good place. Don't you worry. Since that episode Justin posted, uh, I imagine Kat looks like Scarlett Johansson, only smarter. And Jethro looks like John Wick, but only eats non-meat things. (laughs) (laughs) I got a text from a friend of ours that said, I love that the only thing that any of your listeners care about now is how sexy or not sexy the two of you are. (laughs) And I wrote, hey, I can't help it if I sound like Charlize Theron, but look like Charlie Day. (laughs) Johnny Boy wrote, in my head, Jethro looks like John Hamm. (laughs) And Kat looks like a tattooed librarian. Well, I know there are times that I wish I I looked like uh, Don Draper, but, uh, but no, no. I've always wanted to be a librarian, though. I love that, a tattooed librarian. 
So this is kind of different for me because usually I will give you a topic that I don't think you know anything about mm-hmm. that I can share with you and we can both learn at the same time. But this is a topic I know you know a lot about. Oh, really? But I did a deep dive on this topic. <gasps> Yay, sandwiches! And I think that uh, I will be able to tell you some things you do not know. But to prove how sure I am, you know a lot about this topic. Uh-huh. I'm going to ask you this question. Okay. When I say this, what do you think? Lobster and telephones. I think Salvador Dali. That's our topic today. (laughs) Salvador Dali, who is the strangest fucking guy in the 20th century, and we love him. I sometimes, when I'm feeling bad about myself, I try to channel Dali. And like the other day, for instance, I had just gotten out of work and I was feeling real dumpy. And Oh, I don't know. Just having that whole like nothing I do is going to ever be good enough for anyone and I might as well just lay down on the ground which, and stop breathing. Which is, by the way, something everybody thinks. Right. So it's not just you. And then I thought of my favorite quote from Salvador Dali, which is, I don't do drugs. I, I am, am drugs. drugs. Yeah. And I just thought, oh, Fucking cool is that guy. I have to be more like him. All right, let's let's just uh, talk so a little bit. I started bit. growing out my mustache. Well, that's good, as you can imagine. Yeah, you've got the uh, the ten and two <laughs> waxed mustache. Yeah. Dolly, of course, a skilled draftsman. This, according to Wikipedia, best known for striking and bizarre images in his surrealist work. <sighs> His painting skills are often attributed to the influence of Renaissance masters. His best-known work, of course, The Persistence of Memory, which is the melted watch painting that everybody sees on dorm rooms Mm -hmm. next to Bob Marley posters, was completed in 1931. Dolly's expansive artistic repertoire included film, sculpture, photography, at times in collaboration with a range of artists in a variety of different types of media. In fact, in fact... He was so ahead of the game. In the early 70s, he became friends with uh, Alice Cooper, who at the time was, you know, the biggest thing. Be my Frankenstein. Yeah. And he had Alice pose for a piece of art, but it wasn't a painting. It was a laser hologram, which is available on YouTube. You can see it. It's a three-dimensional hologram of Alice Cooper biting the head off the Venus de Milo. What? Yep. And, And he did this in the early 70s. I'm sure everybody knows that he was a little off the rails. He he was incredibly creative. Was he a madman? Was he a genius? That's the discussion. Uh, the names of some of his paintings certainly indicated uh, that it could have gone either way. Did you find the, the 3D Alice Cooper thing? No, I found this. Oh, him and Alice Cooper hanging out. Yeah. Aren't they cute? The titles of his painting, some of them certainly indicated he could have been a madman or a genius. <laughs> it's really up to you. It's a matter of perspective. Here, here are some of the titles. Atmospheric Skull, Sodomizing a Baby Grand Piano. It's one of my favorites. And we've actually seen that painting at the uh, Dolly Museum in St. Petersburg. Yes, it's, it's uh, one of his more recognizable, I think. Flesh Aeroplane was another one of his uh, paintings. The, um, the one with the tigers. The one with the tigers was dream caused by a flight of bee. Pomegranate. Yes. Yeah. It it was called dream caused by the flight of a bee around a pomegranate a second before awakening. Yeah. 
that that's a beautiful painting. It too. really is. Necrophiliac springtime is another one. Telephone in a dish with three grilled sardines at the end of September. Very descriptive. Fountain of milk spreading itself uselessly on three shoes. Logical reproachment of a trouser button and a pair of cherries. And then one of my favorites, the great masturbator. Which brings us to what is called Delinean continuity. You just fell over backwards. I'm sorry. I'm just, it's one of my very favorite things about Dali is one of his exercises in continuity. And that's one of the things that I want tattoos of on the backs of my calves. He was famous for including certain images in most of his paintings mm -hmm. throughout the later part of his career. Grasshoppers were one. Yep. Grasshoppers and ants. You will see grasshoppers and ants. Not right out front, but just painted in the background, perhaps. And that represented uh, death to him. Very good. You mouth the word death, just as I did. <laughs> Another thing that he uh, he painted into his uh, his later masterpieces were penises. Of course. Yep. He was a dick painter. For example, um, well, the great masturbator. Seaplane. I'll open the door so you can hear the seaplane. Welcome to Maine. The way life should be. That's Unless the, you're recording. Yeah, that's the price <laughs> you pay for doing a podcast in a lake house. <laughs> so the great masturbator, of course, that's got penises in it. The persistence of memory actually has penises in it. <sighs> penises. Lobster telephone has penises painted into it. You have to look for them, but they're there. Metamorphosis of a narcissist. Oh, yes. That's got penises all over the place. And this one's pretty obvious. Uh, they're not really well hidden. Young virgin auto-sodomized by the horns of her own chastity, which is a lovely painting. It's beautiful. Mm, mm, it's a statement on oh. the current state of society. Now, according to uh, an article I found on Cracked, he was born in 1904. He continued to uh, pretty much uh, be crazier than anybody else throughout his entire life. That was sure. sort of his goal. In fact, I remember reading at one point that he said that it wasn't the painting, it wasn't the sculpture, it wasn't what he did that was the art. It was the reaction that it evoked. And so he did all kinds of crazy things in life just to see what people would do. Right. For example, he showed up at a movie premiere one year, uh, one year in the 30s. In a uh, Rolls Royce filled with heads of cabbage. Just to see what people would do. And I love that. Yeah, he was a performance artist. In addition to creating these amazing, beautiful, perfect pieces of art, he lived art in such a way to just see what would happen. His entire life was a work of art. Right. Especially his love. And I'm sorry, I don't know if you're Gala? getting there or not. Yeah. Oh my Gala. I've never, I just love, I love the way he loved her. And we'll certainly get to that. But uh, did you know that he was actually the third Salvador Dali in the same family? I did not know that. His father was named Salvador. He had a brother born right before him whose name was Salvador, oh. but died. Oh, I don't think that's a good idea at all. The previous child died nine months before Salvador was born, roughly about the time the infant was conceived. Oh. And there's a story that at some point, at one point when he was like five years old, his mother and father took him to the gravesite and told him that he was the reincarnated 
version of the original Salvador who laid in that grave. Right. That's going to mess up a kid's head. No, you know, I don't even agree with dressing your twins the same. (laughs) So, uh, that's not cool, guys. In 1922, a very young Dali moved to uh, Madrid in order to attend a uh, very prestigious art academy. And then he grabbed onto the edge of the table, flipped it over and said, fuck y'all! Which is what most people do at prestigious art academies. Right. So he takes the curriculum, he goes through the process, he is considered to be a genius in the making by his academic peers. Mm-hmm. And it comes right down to his final exam. And he does his final exam. And he shows it to his professor, who thinks it's brilliant, but he refuses to turn it in. And his and his uh, his professor said, "If you don't turn it in, you're you're going to get a failing grade, and you will not get your degree." And yet he still, even though he was considered to be a, a an artistic genius by the people at the academy, refused to turn that last project in, even though it was brilliant, because he said there is no one fit to judge my work. And so he never got his degree. See, the next time you're feeling bad about yourself, getting out of work, getting into your car, <laughs> feeling all like nothing I ever do is good enough, think to yourself, there is no one here fit to judge me. Boom. Amen, sister. Duh. So let's get to Gala. Mm. His muse, he called her. Mm-hmm. The love of his life. She was married at the time that they met, and he wooed her away from her husband. With lobsters and ants. And telephones. (laughs) Now, Dolly's father did not approve of the relationship or his son's affiliation with the Surrealist movement in Paris, or pretty much anything that he did, I guess, at that point. And so because of that... Oh, geez. Oh, no. I'm sorry. Did you want some other son? Oh, that's a surprise to everyone. (laughs) Yeah. Remember that day at the grave, Dad, when I was five? Gross. So that kind of strained their relationship. And so he pretty much uh, kicked his son's ass to the curb. Dolly allegedly responded by sending his... This is his response. He sent his father five used condoms. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know this story. Yep. See, I thought I, I might be able to find a few things that you had not you had not experienced. Were they in a box? Tell me about how it was presented. What was the significance of five? I need to know more. Well, he was really angry that his father did not approve of his relationship with Gala. So apparently they were condoms that they used. And then he oh. sent them to his dad saying, oh, yeah, here you go. Happy Father's Day. Oh, no. Yep. That's not hygienic. No. I think that's not allowed by the USPS. Yeah, but that was in in Spain, though. Soups and semen. Batteries, soups, and semen. That's our new title. That's the title of this episode. (laughs) At a point later in his life, they they reconciled and, you know, they were able to patch things up, I guess, to a certain degree. Mm -hmm. He loved Gala. He lived his life for Gala. When she died in 1982, he was so distraught that he intentionally dehydrated himself. And the thought in his mind was he was going to go into some sort of suspended animated state, Mm. like a sea monkey, and that they could bring him back to life at another time. That's the story. Dolly lived to 1989. That blows my mind, and it makes me so upset because at... 
that time, I, you know, I'd seen some of his art, but I didn't know who he was. I didn't know, you know. Right. I didn't know. And if I had known, I would have found him. Like, I would have hopped on a train like a tiny little hobo, and I would have made my way to Dolly, and I would have been like, you, sir, inspire me. And then I would have been, like, stuck in Spain. With no train fare. Right. In in five used condoms, perhaps. No, I don't think that... All right. I don't think he would have given me those. No, probably not. He wasn't angry at me. No. I mean, he might have been if I had just shown up unannounced at his home. His villa by the sea? Right. Mm -hmm. But no, I was busy sitting at home watching Fred Rogers. Sorry. I'm a little resentful that I was alive at the same time as him and I didn't get to like do anything about it. No. This is this is how big Dali fans you and I are. We actually own a couple of uh, lithographs yeah. that are plate signed by him that we got at an auction years ago. Come and rob our house. Yeah, come and rob our house. <laughs> 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 that was stupid. I shouldn't have said that. Nope. Nope. Anyway, <laughs> now we're getting to the weird things that he did. Yay! Okay. All right. This is. Wait, can we talk about Gala just for a little yeah, bit yeah, more? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so, one of my very favorite paintings of Gala is one of my very favorite paintings by Dali. And I can't remember the name of it, but it's the one where she's standing back yeah, to yeah. looking out onto the sea. Yeah, I think that's the name of it is Gala back to facing the sea or it something. Might be exactly yeah, like that. it's yeah, not yeah. like burning giraffe or right. something. Yeah. It's uh it's all in blues and it's just very simple, very um traditional. Yeah, it's beautiful. I love Dali because of his surrealism, but I adore him because he chose it that's not the art that he could do right the the gala staring at the sea painting proves that he could have done anything well he started out as a cubist he revered picasso yeah and he could have done anything oh yeah but he chose this way of expressing who he was and his thoughts and his ideas and his dreams and such this way that challenged people more than than maybe, you know, a bowl full of fruit would have. Right, and right. It, I just love that he had all of that available to him and he chose this unique path. Anyway, that's me gushing. Bye. That's, that's okay. Gush away. Sorry. So if you if you look at Dali's paintings, especially from like the late thirties on, the landscapes. I mean, even if the only Dolly painting you've ever seen is The Persistence of Time, The mm. Melted Watches. You've been in a dorm room. Right next to the Bob Marley poster. Even if that's the only painting you've ever seen, mm. you know that his landscapes are just really eerie and almost, it's almost like he has had a glimpse into hell. Right, yeah. Now, how did he, how did he think, what was the creative process in coming up with those visions to paint? Are you ready for this? This is going to blow your mind. I'm ready. Okay. What he would do is when he was sleepy, he would hold a spoon in his hand and hover over a plate. And when he started to nod off, he would drop the spoon and the the clanking would wake him up and he would write down the visions that he had in his head. Oh, wow. Doesn't that blow your mind? That really does. I had no idea. I just came across that info. I love that. That's beautiful. Yeah. It's like when you're practicing autoerotic asphyxiation. You put a lemon in your mouth. Yeah, exactly like that. Yeah. I'm just kidding. I've never done that. I don't uh, like citrus. Here's... (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. 
I'm, I'm afraid you're going to get scurvy. So anyway, according to list verse for Dolly, even at a very young age, pleasure and pain kind of uh, blurred mm. the lines for him. The worst example of this, when he was a kid, he was like five years old and he and a buddy were walking across a, a bridge and he observed that there was nobody around and that the bridge had no safety rail. So he just decided to throw his friend off the bridge. The boy fell five meters into a, onto sharp, jagged rocks and was seriously hurt. Now, you would think that probably he felt remorse. No, no. What he did was, while the child's mother was tending to this seriously injured child, sure. toting back and forth bowls of bloody water as she cleaned him up, he just sat there eating a bowl of cherries and smiling. Well, it's because look at the reaction he created. Look at the response yep. to his actions that yep. he got to see. And yes, that is like grade A psycho behavior. But look at the pretty paintings we got. Yeah, that's true. It's a fair <laughs> trade. Maybe not for that kid. <laughs> Later in life, when he was slightly older, but not much, um, he had uh, he was caring for a wounded bat. And he checked on the bat and saw that the bat had been overwhelmed by ants and was slowly being eaten alive, which could have been one of the reasons why ants show up in his paintings as a metaphor for death. So his reaction was to pick the bat up and bite into it. That's what he did. Well, like bite its head off, like Aussie style? Yeah, like Ozfest, 1982. One time he delivered a lecture wearing a deep sea diving suit. (laughs) Deep sea divers, that's another thing that yeah. shows up a lot. Well, yeah, like when we went to the Dolly Museum in St. Petersburg, yes. what's in the lobby? It's a beautiful, what is it, a Rolls? It looks like an old Rolls Royce. And um, it's filled with um, water and fish and sea life. And then a deep sea diving man is standing just outside the car. And that's it. No, he's actually driving it. Oh, I thought he was standing outside of it. <clears throat> no, he's sitting in the driver's oh, seat. Oh, no, I guess you're right. He was also quite known for publicity stunts. Uh, To sell his book, The World of Salvador Dali, he lay in a hospital bed in a Manhattan bookstore, surrounded by fake doctors and nurses hooked up to a machine that measured his brainwaves. Anyone who bought a copy of the book also got a copy of the machine's readings. (laughs) He later went back to uh, being obsessed with cauliflower, which uh, became another one of his Delinean continuity pieces. Sure. Yeah, cauliflower. And so uh, what he would do at other at book signings is he would hand out cauliflower. Which I've heard that you can make like a really nice pizza crust out of, but I don't, I haven't <laughs> had it. So, and I don't know if I entirely believe it. You know, I mentioned the whole spoon and plate uh, inspiration technique that he had. Mm-hmm. He also used to stand on his head until he would almost pass out. And then right before he would pass out, he would flip over and write down whatever he saw in his in his oxygen-deprived brain. Now, his marriage with Gala was not a traditional marriage. Both continued to see other people. The relationship was apparently a happy one. And not only was she his muse, but his business manager. Later in his life, they would stage orgies at his house. Now, he would never participate. He would just watch. Sure. Cher went to one. I didn't know that. Cher went to one of Salvador Dali's orgies. Obviously. And went in and she saw like this brightly painted uh, robotic fish that he had uh, sitting on his coffee table. And so like this orgies going on and um, she's sitting there with Salvador Dali and she says, well, this is an interesting piece, this brightly colored fish that's a robot. 
And he said, you know what's really great about it? When you put it on your clitoris. Now, there's no word as to whether Cher followed through on that. Sure. But yeah, that's a story Cher used to tell. I feel like that's one of those stories that someone tells you to tell you something else. But they're like, blah, 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 blah. But what they're really saying is, I hung out with Salvador Dali. Probably, yeah. <laughs> that, that could very well be. Listen, Cher, we know what you're getting at, okay? Objection, hearsay. <laughs> now, the story is that Salvador Dali never had sex with anybody other than Gala, ever. That he was a virgin when he met her, and that even though there was an open relationship, mm -hmm. he never had sex with anybody other than her. Mm -hmm. But he was a chronic masturbator, and he talked about that. He talked about how he would masturbate all the time standing in front of a mirror. I guess what he was into, you know? Well, I mean, he was obviously very confident in himself. Yes. And you called know, himself the divine Dali. And into himself, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, I mean, whatever floats your boat, I guess. He also had a pet ant eater. You know that probably from right? the yes. uh, photos of him walking his ant eater around Manhattan. Mm -hmm. But he also uh was incredibly cheap. He would often invite large groups of people to dinner and he would say, hey, it's on me. And then after everybody had eaten, he would pull out his checkbook and he would appear to be writing a check for the full amount. What he was actually doing was doodling a little sketch on it because he knew no one would ever cash it if it had an original dolly sketch on the back. Right. It's a priceless piece of art. You cannot cash that check. You can't cash it. He, was, mean, he was a genius. Yeah. If I were a server, I would pocket that check pay for the whole meal with my paycheck and hang it on the wall. Hang it. Frame it. Yeah, for sure. Can you imagine what those things are worth? No. It's got to be... Let me let me Google it. Dolly check doodle. Five grand. I'm going to say five grand. Ten grand. Ten grand's my guess. Ten thousand dollars. That's not a bid. It's a guess. I don't want to make that mistake again. I can't find one. You'd think I'd be able to find one. Nothing, huh? Nothing. Nothing. All right. I'm going with ten. Ten grand. That's my guess. Probably more. And Salvador Dali, I got into Salvador Dali at a very early age, like when I was 12 years old. And it's one of the reasons why I really loved Andy Kaufman, because I saw a lot of that whole Dadaism stuff. Sure. You know, where, again, it wasn't what they were doing or what they were creating. It was the, um, um, it was the reaction that it evoked. Very similar in that way. A few years ago, a woman named Maria Pilar Abel, or Abel, A-B-E-L, mm. who was a fortune teller, claimed that she was the illegitimate child of Salvador Dali. Mm. And Gala? No. Well, yeah. I think we just discussed that. Right. Well, anyway, Ms. Abel, or Abel, 59, said in an interview after uh, her mother became pregnant, she quickly married another man, and she had two children with him. She had had a brief affair with Salvador Dali, and her grandmother had told her that uh, she knew that it wasn't really her son who had fathered her, but that she was a fa uh, the child of a famous painter. Mm -hmm. So she waited until she was about seven years old and confronted her mother. And her mother said yes, that uh, she didn't tell her because she didn't want her to, quote, throw stones at his grave. Uh-huh. That so, sounds to me like um, how Phoebe's grandfather was Einstein. I don't think so. Everything comes back to friends with you. I love that. <laughs> So anyway, she um, filed a suit because, you know, as a, as, a, as a child, she would be 
eligible for up to 25% of the Dali estate. But apparently her claim had enough weight that they exhumed Salvador Dali last summer. Did you know that? I did not know that. They dug him up. I think it was July of last year. Wow. This is according to The Guardian. Experts who exhumed the body of Salvador Dali to collect samples for use in a paternity claim have revealed that the enigmatic artist's trademark mustache still graces his face almost three decades after he's dead. That's amazing. Quote, his mustache is still intact, like clock hands at 10-10, just as he liked it. It's a miracle, said the guy who actually embalmed him initially, whose name is Catalan. Dully uh, is buried in a crypt beneath a museum he designed for himself in his hometown. His remains were disinterred to help settle this long-running paternity claim from a now 61-year-old fortune teller who insists that she is his only child. Mm-hmm. He said that uh, he couldn't believe it when he laid eyes on Dolly's corpse. He said his face was covered with a silk handkerchief, a magnificent handkerchief. I bet. When it was removed, this is a quote, When it was removed, I was delighted to see that his mustache was still intact. I was quite moved. You could also see his hair. It was almost perfect. Well, yeah. I mean, hair and that kind of stuff doesn't deteriorate the way that flesh does. And you could put that mustache on an orange and you'd go, is that soft or tall? (laughs) That's true. It It was definitely iconic. He said Dali's body resembled, quote, a mummy. And it was like wood, adding that it was so hard that experts had to use an electric saw rather than a scalpel to collect bone samples. Oh, wow. He predicted that Dolly's body would last a a long while. Quote, the mustache is still there and will be for centuries, he said. Once the last visitors of the day left the museum, the 1.5-ton stone slab that rested over his grave was lifted so experts could get to the body to take hair, nail, and bone samples. It is said that his coffin was opened at 10.20 p.m., so work could begin. To guard the artist's posthumous privacy, they put up awnings and stuff around him so that drones couldn't take pictures of his body when they opened it up. That's good. I can't... People are rude anyway. Whatever. Anyway, what were you saying? So in September of last year, the DNA results came in. Mm -hmm. She is not the child. I mean, I think we all knew that. Yeah. You're just very protective of Salvador. And rightly so. I just don't like it when people try to get stuff that's not theirs. I understand that. Okay. I'm with you, sister. P.S. Did I tell you about the pretzel thief incident? No. I'm sorry. Are you done with the Dolly stuff? I'm done. That's kinda it. Kind of sad about it. Sad about Dolly or pretzels? That it's done. Was I able to dig up um, some stuff that you... Yes, yeah. absolutely. Me too. I didn't I'm know. I'm very pleased. Thank you. I, th- I thought you might be. Now I want to go back to the Dolly so Museum. I so much want to go back. <laughs> if you're ever in St. Petersburg, do yourself a favor. Oh, go to the Dolly so Museum. good. By the way, they built a museum that looks like something from a Dolly landscape. It really does. And it's directly across the road from where the old museum used to be. And uh, you you remember the numbers better than I, I do. I don't remember the Say numbers. the numbers. Well, well just the move the art it's the it's the largest private dolly art collection in the world gorgeous to move it just across the street it was like millions and millions and millions of dollars just to move it across the street right because they had to insure this yeah, art yeah. for movement yeah not so dollars crazy anyway oh yeah someone thought i stole their pretzels i don't know what happened I got to work this morning and I had a bag of pretzels on my desk and someone had put a post-it on it and it said pretzel thief and had a little drawing of a pretzel and then a face 
but I couldn't determine what kind of expression that face was trying to give to me. Like, uh-huh. was it like upset or shocked? I don't know. But I feel like if you were really upset, you wouldn't have drawn a pretzel, right? Well, Maybe they were saying they were a pretzel thief and they stole some of my pretzels out of that bag. Do you think they were accusing you of stealing pretzels? I don't. I legitimately don't know. Hmm. What would Salvador Dali do in this situation? Well, he would, he'd probably pee all over everyone. And then fill a bathtub with brightly colored bicycles, because that's what he does. Salvador Dali, everyone. God bless him. The end. Thank you for that. I feel like that was a gift just for me. It was It was a gift for you, but also mm-hmm. to our many, many um, art fans and artists that listen to the Box of Oddities. It was wonderful. Or, or just people who like weird people. Because he was fucking weird. And I love him. I wish that I had the courage to live the type of eccentric life that that man lived. Seriously. I mean, I'll go to a movie theater with a car full of cabbage, for sure. I'd do that. Don't know about uh, pushing kids off bridges, though. Probably not. Well, I mean... I've seen some kids that, well, you almost did. You no, <laughs> pushed him no. into the reflecting pond at the Lincoln Memorial. Anyway, the box of oddities, it happens twice a week. And, um. That's, yeah, we'll see you, uh, what day? What What is this? This is uh, Monday's episode? Yeah, because tomorrow's Monday. All right, so we'll see you Thursday. Until then, keep flying that freak flag. Fly it proudly, freak family. And so, let it be known that the Box of Oddities belongs to you, and its fate is in your hands. The Box of Oddities commits to the telling of stories, stories of the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected. We wish to offer our deeply felt gratitude and appreciation for your patronage. TheBoxOfOddities.com Copyright 2018. All rights reserved. Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia-style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that, because you're already listening to a podcast. If you like this podcast, can we recommend another one? It's called Big Picture Science. You can hear it wherever you get your podcasts, and its name tells part of the story. The big picture questions, and the most interesting research in science. Seth and I are the hosts. Seth is a scientist. I am Molly, and I'm a science journalist. And we talk to people smarter than us, and we have fun along the way. The show is called Big Picture Science, and as Seth said, you can hear it wherever you get your podcasts.